Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 8 of The Batter. I am your hostess with the mostest, Katie Cupcake, joined by Miss Bale's Winky Face today. How are we doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, glad to be here. <laughs> she was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> when I asked if she wanted to be a co-host, she was like, I don't know. And like, I gave her examples of topics that we had going for the week that I had asked her because I asked her a couple weeks ago. And she's like, I don't know, like anything about those, but like, I'm sure it's fine. And I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> here we are, once again, flying by the seat of our pants, just kind of winging it. Um, and we'll just kind of see see where it goes. Uh, I enjoy doing podcasts. I enjoy having different people on and especially when Toki gets mad about things. <laughs> Toki got mad about some, I don't even remember, but she was fuming. So, and, uh, Mr. Cupcake gets mad about the topic. So we'll see if Bills gets angered by anything that we've <laughs> chosen today. Uh, or if any of the articles, might spike some confusion into anger. <laughs> um, so angry face. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so the first topic we have is May being a great month for horror fans. Now I'm a big baby when it comes to playing horror games. <laughs> Bales doesn't play a lot of horror games, right? I have been dabbling in them. I did a series of doing like spooky Sundays and I've played through several different ones and in a variety of spooky slash horror games, but some of the more hardcore ones, um, I have not ventured into that territory yet. Okay. So now that I have a PC coming, um, Mr. Cupcake has already said that you're going to be playing X, Y, and Z game, and I'm going to find you all of the horror games to play, and because one of our favorite things to watch together is uh, Markiplier's Three Scary Games and Jacksepticeye's Three Scary Games, mm -hmm. and he's like, they're going to have nothing on the games I find for you, and I'm like, oh, great, <laughs> just what I want, so, uh, I don't know, like, I get jump scared very easily, but it's always nice because horror is a type of thing where it's either labeled incorrectly, like the game you see that's titled horror is really like a psychological thriller or there's like subgenres of horror films and nothing has really been like true horror in a while. Um, like I think Resident Evil scary, like in, in parts, not like continuously scary. It's like jump scare scary, right? But... Mm -hmm. Toki and Mr. say it's not scary at all. So it's also like opinionated, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that horror is kind of like a spectrum. Um, yeah. There, like you mentioned, there are so many different genres. There are different aspects of horror. I mean, if you've ever seen any of the like, like VHS type horror or like, um, those are really There's well done. like subgenre of um, on like TikTok of different oh. creepy horror like 
series that you can follow. There are, there's, um, like, TikTok channels that are set aside to be just, like, horror mystery stories for their viewers to follow. And it's really neat. Um, I wouldn't say that. Sounds fun. There's... Yeah, there's whole, like, YouTube channels um, devoted to it, and obviously there are tons of video games that are devoted to it. And I know there's been a, a pretty big discourse on Twitter lately about how the horror genre for video games is dying. Um, and I think that is mostly applying to, like, AAA type games are not coming out as horror anymore. Um, I know there's a lot of talk and excitement about um, Silent Hill being having an, a new installment and people are saying, oh, that's going to reju rejuvenate the horror genre for video gaming. But if you've been paying attention, there are tons of indie or smaller um, studios that have been putting out horror games for years, mm -hmm. and some of them are really good. Yeah, I we talked about that on another episode where Triple uh, A studios just haven't been hitting the mark for a while now and mm -hmm. indie game and developers and everything have really been like bringing it so I definitely like all these games that you find on itch.io or like you know you get demos of and you play them and you're like oh my god I really want that to be a game it it's because these indie people actually listen to like feedback and they don't change the game completely um, like, for example, Amanda the Adventure just came out, mm -hmm. and the original... I haven't played that myself, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. I haven't played it, but I watched a couple people different, like, a couple different people playing it, and from the... I don't want to give spoilers in case you do want to play it, but, um, basically the, what was originally opted as, like, the demo, playable demo that first came out versus what the full game just came out. It's completely different and like the best way possible because it still kept those same aspects that made you creeped out and wanting to play more in the demo, but they expanded on it in ways to tie it to like an actual storyline instead of just being like creepy, weird, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think indie, I think a lot of people look down on indie gaming companies and it's just like, for me personally... They've brought more, for the most part, like there have been some things that have come through that have been from AAA that have been really good, but like indie just has always like hit the mark. Like, oh, it's just an indie company, but like they're still making bangers. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's also um, a point to think about of just like, what is the difference between a indie development team and like a, a bigger development team. I mean, some people would argue that Behavior, who makes Dead by Daylight, which I know you know them. Um, and we've talked uh, about is, it extensively yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, like some people would consider them to be a really big studio, but compared to like Activision or um, like Battle.net or like any of that, like they are indie in comparison to them. So it's... Yes. There's, the, again, even development teams are on a spectrum of what is large and what they can do and how much care and stuff that they put into it. Yeah, I think I think money and how many people are working on one project is really what drove the 
indie versus triple A debate. And now we're seeing a lot, like I have my master's in game design and I can't find a job in game design because they're not hiring people. They, they want people to work for pennies and, you know, they want you to be a senior level designer. So they're not looking to open their places up to people like me who is just fresh out. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's frustrating. And then they launch all these games that have like the bigger gaming companies, indies, not so much, but they have these issues that they take months to fix. And it's just like this long line of disappointment because the trailers are, are, are always good. 90% of the time, more than 90% of the time, trailers for things are always, like, they really get you hyped up. And then when you actually have that tangible thing in your hands, you're like, where was that from the trailer even in this game or whatever? So I'm excited. Um, like the article said, we're like months away from spooky season, but like if you're a true horror spooky season buff like is it ever not spooky season because i like i'm literally drinking out of a mug that has a cat and a witch hat with a pumpkin (laughs) next to it that says resting witch face so it's always spooky season so cute i was so sad because i had like all my decorations that i had to take down because we're doing work in the house and uh not only do i feel like it's echoey in here now like and i didn't even have that much stuff right but now I'm in this little corner and I'm like, oh my God, it's so empty and sad. Uh, I had like a skull mug that I got from clearance when I was working at Walmart in a cauldron that was like sparkly and I had like my Halloween Pikachu in one and my Christmas Pikachu in the other. And uh, I just, I love spooky season. But uh, I guess I've never heard of one of these games. It's called Propagation Paradise Hotel. It sounds spooky. Uh, you played that one game. Oh my gosh, what's the name of it? Which was Visage. based. No, the other one that was based in the hotel. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, at, at dead of night. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was super good. Um, I watched about. I watched you play it for a while. I watched other videos on it, and it was so good. So it kind of sounds like that's gonna be in that sphere of things, which mm-hmm. I'm here for. Um, I've never played any of the Amnesia games, but another Amnesia game is coming out for those of you who are huge fans of the series. We also have the bunker and the, does that say Tartarus key? Probably. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that. <laughs> I was going to say, I probably butchered that, but <laughs> it's what happens. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if you were like a Dead Space fan back in the day. I didn't play it. I heard great things about the original and we watched, uh, me and Mr. watched people play it and I wanted to play that game. Like everything about that game made me want to play it. And I would never want to play those games, generally speaking, like normally. Mm. It was so good and so, so funny with the, the mean, like baddie thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I never played Dead Space and generally speaking i'm relatively new to the gaming world um i did play when i was younger i played a first person shooter game called heretech which was ran on the the doom syndrome for doom um um what's the word like 
it was a sim- similar kind of setup as Doom. Okay. And um, I also played Diablo 2 mm-hmm. and some, like, Zoo Tycoon and some, some little things like that. But I, I did not, like, my first console was the Wii. Like, I never had mm, interesting. PlayStation, GameCube, Xbox... None of that. Because so I wasn't inc- really encouraged to play video games um, as a child, which is fine. And then I only really got into gaming more in, in the past, like, three or four years, uh, kind of in conjunction of when the COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> came about. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, like, a lot of these franchises that uh, many people hold near and dear... I don't have that same type of connection to them. You missed out on it, yeah. Yeah, which okay. which is fine. It's almost like I'm a, uh, exploring a new world now. <laughs> right, and I didn't play, like, I just recently finished the Resident Evil 4 remake. And we've talked mm-hmm. about that a lot on the podcast, too, because I had just finished Resident Evil 4 original before the, the remake was coming out. And I never played those games. Mm-hmm. Growing up, and Toki and Mister were always like, "Oh my God!" They were like so horrifying on you know PS one, two, whatever it was out on, depending on the number. And it was like that was terrifying for my childhood. And the same with Silent Hill. None of those things ever like made it to me to play. Um, and I don't know if that was like intentional by my parents, like if that was like a decision or not, or maybe they just knew that I was like a baby when it came to scary stuff and they just didn't think that that was going to be good because I have always had like rampant vivid nightmares and dreams and like like extensive ones too um like I still remember like (laughs) it is okay to laugh because I I laughed (laughs) there was like a brief um time period when I was in my preteen years that I was having a reoccurring nightmare of a giant squirrel chasing me down the street and like trying to eat me (laughs) yeah uh that doesn't sound great (laughs) so um and then there was part where like me and my family were in the house and there was like skeletons with like swords and shields like taking over where we lived like the neighborhood and stuff and we were like rushing out to get into the van with like our stuff and like trying to avoid them it's just like and I could go on on and on so I don't know if that was a choice by them or if they just or if I just never gravitated towards it because for whatever reason but now that I'm gaming and streaming and stuff and I'm like I kind of want to play it, and, like, I really want to play the Silent Hill games, um, now that I've played, I'd say, half of the Resident Evil games right now, Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think, then I hate saying, I hate that saying that you missed out on it, because it's not necessarily true, like, you, like, especially for me, like, I can't say that I missed out on it, because I didn't know it existed until I hit a certain age. It, exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, like, if it's something that I always wanted to and I never could, then you're missing out on it. Like, that is the, the, the FOMO feeling. <laughs> but mm-hmm. for me, it was just like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Amnesia, none of those things existed to me until I started gaming more 
extensively in my adulthood when I could Mm -hmm. buy what I wanted and it wasn't what I was allowed to. Um, Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I could try that. Do I scream like a little bitch every 2.2 seconds? Yeah. (laughs) Does chat troll me with the sound alerts and make it worse? Yes. (laughs) Does it make it fun? Yes. So, yeah, I, I hate I hate that that phrase of, oh, well, you missed out. And I, I said it to you because it's like one of those things that you're just like it's been ingrained in you to say. But it's like it's not really missing out if if you didn't know it was a something you would enjoy and b if it, you knew it existed, like you weren't encouraged to play video games. So you're not going to think about all the games you didn't play. You're going to be like, oh, that looks fun to play. Yeah, I do have to say that it is difficult for me to go back and play some of the, like, either modded versions or remastered, not even the remastered, but, like, some of the older generation of games. Like, I did do part of a playthrough of Resident Evil 5, doing the co-op with my roommate. Oh, Lord. I don't know if I'm just spoiled now at graphics and controls but I felt like I was fighting the controls the entire time with that game and some of the some other older um horror just general games Mm -hmm. I just feel like the controls are so um janky opposite yes yes see I had that same problem that's why it was such a long break between playing the original Resident Evil because it took me so long um, to, pl- like, play it and finish it because the controls, like, broke my brain. Like, I had mm-hmm. such a hard time. And going back, like, I was like, okay, I took it slow, getting back into two, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to play three, and then we'll play four. I've heard terrible things about five and six, so you didn't really start off at, like, a great moment in the Resident Evil series. Um, I, like, Toki and Mr. and Ren all have said, like, not great things. Like, six doesn't exist to my boyfriend and my boyfriend's cousin. <laughs> it's that bad. So, uh, so I have, I have a little bit of a problem with that mindset, just because, mm. um, from my understanding, and also I am a uh, unbiased I guess because I haven't played hardly any of the series is that a, a genre or like a, a series a franchise should be allowed to make radical changes from one installment to the next um, I know a big thing with like the the first four and some of the the side quest or the side games as it, it focused on like um, puzzles, horror, storytelling, and um, like th- there was a th- it was kind of a there was a similar vibe throughout the first four, and then when five and six came in, it introduced a whole co-op version and much more action adventure based. Yes, and the the audience, the the people who enjoyed the series, they hated it because it was something new, mm-hmm. and I think we as a consumers need to not like make groups and make franchises into niches 
not gate to let them experiment we need to um, enjoy things as they come out otherwise all we're gonna get are Marvel movies that are action adventure all the time because that's the only thing that sells right and there's a lot of gatekeeping right like that Toki and Mr. have the same thoughts like Resident Evil 8 was different it wasn't really scary it was just like blah 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 and I'm like I like that aspect of Resident Evil though like yeah did they take a while to branch off in the series of games from different viruses yeah but that was the whole point is that they were using different viruses and using different ways to experiment with those viruses to create different beings different things Mm -hmm. originally it was you know for uh like mind controlled like military aspect types of things but then it, you know people power greed curiosity really made it into something more and i really liked like i haven't played village yet um which is the latest installment in resident evil series but i really loved the story i loved the graphics and i was like oh but it's blah 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 and i'm like yeah but like if you look at the series as a whole like you have the t virus and the g virus and Ouroboros and all of these other things like it was never just one virus it was never just one mutation and so yeah I agree I don't like the gatekeeping aspect of things um I can understand that you get used to a game playing and looking and feeling one type of way and not really getting an indication of a change. Like, maybe that's what it is. You and I are on the outside of, of this, right? Because we haven't played... We weren't playing the originals as they released. Mm-hmm. So, we don't have the same, like, rose-colored glasses issue that others are having. Um, but I... I hope Resident Evil comes out with the ninth. I haven't really done research to see if there is something in the works. Um, just because they've been in the process of remaking a bunch of the games. Like yeah, two I came out, three came out. Focused yeah. on remakes right now, but um, we'll see. I know they did come out with a DLC for Village. Yeah. Um, last year, right? Or earlier this year, I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, but anyway, about the the games that are coming out this month, um, I I looked into them. So the propagation one looks like it would have been right up my alley, except it's a VR game. Oh, and boo. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about you, but um, I can't play VR because I get serious serious motion sickness from it. My roommate has a VR headset. The only game that I can really play on VR is Beat Saber, but that's because your character is not like moving around within the space. You're Mr. Just loves your Beat arms Saber. Around, like, yes. <laughs> he played it one day. He was like on camera, and I was like, "Yo, that's intense." <laughs> yeah. I've actually never played a VR game. Yeah. So VR, um, I think that VR is excellent for people who don't <laughs> um, experience motion sickness or have those kind of troubles. But especially for the horror genre, VR brings in a whole new world of um, game games that they can come out with because you in VR you feel you get the the first person aspect of actually being within the game. So uh, anyone who enjoys VR and horror, I think that the Propagation game will definitely be up their alley. Amnesia is a branch of horror games that I have personally been scared to get into. Really? Um, 
Yeah, just because um, I like I, I wouldn't say that I'm a scaredy cat to like, the level that you called yourself. Oh, I'm um, bad. You clearly haven't seen me play like extensively because I'm bad. Like, a head fell off of a door when I was playing the remake, and I jumped, and I was like, "What was that?" <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I, I enjoy the jump scares and everything, but, um, so I did a playthrough of Visage, which is a horror game, first-person horror game, um, which is pretty widely known at this point, yeah. um, and I, while it is scary in some of the storylines and some of the parts of it, um, there are jump scares, there's little things, and, um, and, of course, playing it on a live stream, uh, chat likes to Troll. make it even worse for you uh, at times. Mm-hmm. Um, at times? The did. whole time? <laughs> you said they're Not questioning what you're doing, and they pop in or do stuff, and you're like, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Can you please relax? <laughs> yeah. Um, they, I think with horror games, um, there is this, uh, and we were talking about gatekeeping, there is this idea that, like, horror games are not supposed to be easy either, like, they're not, like, part of yeah. the horror is not always knowing where you're, what you're supposed to do next, where you're supposed to go, like, they don't hold your hand through it, and a lot of people say, like, if you don't have that part, uh, then it's not, like, a true horror game anymore, but for me, the horror of that game, Visage, went away because I was just getting frustrated with the game at certain parts. Right, because you couldn't figure out what to do or where to go, or you kind of felt like you had soft-locked yourself because of, you know, I haven't played Visage, so I don't, I don't really know, like, the gameplay aspects of it, um, Mm -hmm. in, like, intricately, but... I played Outlast 2 a little bit, and I had mm-hmm. aspects of where I was running out of battery for my camera, and that's, like, your way of seeing, you know, and keeping yourself alive, essentially. And then there was, like, a, a conversation where um, the R word was involved, and it was, like, a huge dialogue, and it's a, a huge part of those games, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And not... It, it, for those of you, you know, trigger warning and stuff, it, it's it's sexual assault and rape and aspects of that that's heavily ingrained in those storylines. Once that was prominent, I stopped playing because I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, and like, so there was there was a um, a game that came out a couple of years ago, the the suicide of Rachel. Fox. Um, oh shoot me. Let me look it up. Um, but um, it's a, a horror game. Um, Foster. Rachel Foster. Rachel Foster. Okay. Um, but there, there, there were a lot of... I've not played the game myself, but I've watched some reviews and watched a play, um, like a truncated playthrough of it. Um, that sometimes I feel like development studios want to push the boundaries so far with horror and triggering subjects that then the game suffers for it like this Mm -hmm. that game had a lot of potential people were excited about it but the actual story writing and the conclusion and everything just really missed the mark 
um, and uh, left a lot of people feeling like they had kind of been uh, hoodwinked about what the game was actually going to be. Mm-hmm. And now with Amnesia, I don't know if they have anything of the Amnesia series. I don't know if they have anything specifically along those lines, but any games now that I hear about like, oh, it's like a hardcore horror type game, I am a little bit standoffish about getting invested into it just because um, I don't want to get to a point where I'm so frustrated with the game that I, like the, the, the draw of being scared is no longer there. Mm. Yeah, and that was part, like, I was having that feeling with Outlast too. And then I got to that part where it made me stop. So Mm -hmm. I can understand that. I know amnesia is like psychological horror, if I, Mm -hmm. um, which debatable on what you view as like the worst kind of horror, but like gory horror doesn't bother me, but psychological stuff like really messes with me. Um, one of the games that I played that you mentioned that at Dead of Night, um, I felt like that game had an excellent balance of like feeling like pressured that you need to get things done within a time period. There, there's the scare factor of the person who's like hunting you mm-hmm. within this um, uh, within the hotel, and, and yet I never like even though there were puzzles and there were parts that were difficult, I never felt like so frustrated that I didn't want to play anymore. No, and you did so. a really good job. Like I wasn't able to watch a lot of it, but there are parts where you were like, "Oh, what should I do?" and then you were like, "Oh, I should talk to this person with this clue now." Like there was enough of a guiding light holding your hand aspect, but it wasn't really, but there was enough information that you were given to be like, "Okay, well, what if I tried this instead?" Yeah, the nice thing about that game is that there is a mechanic within the game. While there's not, like, a straight-up, like, hint system, there is a mechanic where you can, like, look into a glass in certain areas, and then it will show you, like, which level you need to go on to progress, like, certain um, parts of the story. Of, like, the story. So, like, which which level of the, the hotel. So, like, that really helped someone like me where and someone anyone who's like streaming you know that your attention is not 100% on the game you're trying to you're also trying to entertain and all that kind of stuff so you're gonna miss things talk to people you're constantly (laughs) pausing because things are happening in chat or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's just like what was I doing like obviously I haven't mentioned this before but I have ADHD Um, Mm -hmm. so like it's always a lot worse like I'm like what was I doing but, like, when you're you're playing such a game that needs even, like, a little bit of focus. Um, like, you and I both play DVD, and we've gotten to the point where we're so comfortable playing it, we don't necessarily need to focus, but we do, depending on the kind of killers we're playing against or whatever, or if we're just, you know, fucking with each other, then <laughs> we're, fo- we're focusing on the sandbag aspects. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's it's really hard to, to balance. Um, and I don't know, I can't speak for you, but for me, I never want to be a streamer who's just streaming to X amount of people and they're not talking to chat at all. They're just focusing on what they're doing the entire stream. 
Like, that's boring to me. Like, I wouldn't want to stick around and watch a stream where they don't even look at chat. <laughs> it's like chat yeah, doesn't so exist. There are some people, and I've, I've known some people personally, that they really get into the whole immersive aspect of a game and stream, like try to do a full immersion stream. Um, where they're not looking at chat, they turn off all alerts, they don't do anything, like they, they don't really engage. Um, and it's to each their own, your preference, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to do. But for me personally, if I just wanted to see a playthrough of a game and not have like a live stream, then I would just go watch a Let's Play on YouTube. Right, <laughs> right. I feel the same way. Like if I, um, if I just make a YouTube video, if you want that immersive experience and like, it just makes me feel like they're just doing it for the money. They're just doing it for the viewers and whoever's going to sub to the channel during that time. But I don't want to sub to somebody who isn't going to at least care that I subbed. Because yeah. there's a lot of people who won't even, like, I can understand if you're doing, like, um, Twitch Rivals event or something like that where you have mm -hmm. to stream because they need to make sure you're not cheating, etc. But... Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not even going to go through your alerts at the end and have them, you know, save place someplace so you can, like, thank people, like, mm -hmm. it just seems disingenuous for me. And I'm all, I'm all, like, I've said this multiple times, I've always wanted to maintain my being genuine for stream, like, I'm, I don't have a niche, or I don't pretend to have a niche, I do what I want when I want to stream it, obviously. <laughs> barring any issues that I've been having lately, but, like, I can't You're just... You're not a real streamer unless you have technical issues. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, like, I can't just play one game. It's boring. And I can't be that type of person who pretends to enjoy to play the same game for two hours for a stream, like, whatever amount of time of day, and then I, I go... It's just, like, the people who are PG playing Minecraft, but then they like go on their friend servers and stuff and they're not PG. That's not genuine to me. If you don't, if you yeah. want, if you started off as a PG person, but as you've aged, you realize like your audience can grow with you. Are you going to hit, mm -hmm. take a hit? Possibly. But I don't know. It just seems more exhausting to like pretend to be something that you're not after having yeah, done it for I... so many years. And now I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. um, along those same lines, like for myself, um, Dead by Daylight was not the first game that I ever streamed, but it definitely for a while it was my main game. I was more or less a quote unquote Dead by Daylight streamer. I streamed it three or four times a week for several hours. It was like the only game I was playing. I was very knowledgeable about the game. Um, she even had a YouTube kind of channel where she did tome <laughs> tricks and tips. Yeah, I, I, I made like long form videos about it, all that kind of stuff. But at some point, um, that never that didn't that didn't really call to me anymore, and but I felt like I had put myself into a niche where I needed to stay and, mm -hmm. and only dream and play Dead by Daylight. Um, last year in October was when I finally kind of broke away from that, which is funny when you think about it, because Dead by Daylight is a 
Yeah, but you started doing Spooky Sundays and playing different things, so I think that Mm -hmm. helps because you also did it at a time of year where it made sense to be playing those things, so I think, and it's clearly done, you've done really well switching from (laughs) just being a DVD, like DVD was always going to have a special place in our hearts because it was not the first game I streamed, definitely not the first game I played, but it, it gained us traction in the streamer sphere and at a point we feel like we've owed it to for something but then we come to grasp with the fact that like if they want to watch us they're going to watch us and it doesn't always matter what we are playing yeah exactly and and i've seen other streamers kind of go through the same thing um like small to mid-sized streamers and even some of the larger dvd streamers have um, especially within the last couple months, mm-hmm. switched or started um, adding more variety, and that's healthy. And yes, like if you have a community that is used to you seeing only one game, you're go. There's going to be a change, and there's growing pains. And I definitely um, experienced some of that, and was questioning myself about like, is this really the right move? But I have realized recently that um at this point um there are a a lot of people who don't even know that i play dbd or that i i was specialized Mm. dead by daylight um at one point um it was it was a little it was a little surreal um to i i streamed a little uh dead by daylight last night and i had people asking me so what is this game and I'm like oh yeah I guess I don't stream this much anymore (laughs) right it's like oh wait these people are used to me playing stream raiders or nitro racing or um yeah other thing no cult of the feet oh my gosh it's our secret (laughs) if you know you know (laughs) Uh, that's wild yeah I think you you just kind of roll with the punches and you go with the vibe and um, right now the the Dead by Daylight streaming world is not my vibe and that's fine I still have friends I still have people who are mainly um, DVD streamers and I still love and support them as much as I can and check out their streams but um the i i mean at one point i had aspirations of like getting the twitch shirts and and going right. for fog whisper and and being wanting to be one of the like names of and recognized names for dead by daylight i no longer feel that and i think that's fine <laughs> yeah i think see that's the thing is that people take a negative twist on growing pains right it's like mm-hmm. oh but like Oxdavra, and Dowsey, just in true talent, like, these are all big, like, if you know the Dead by Daylight community, you've heard these names before, right? They've mm-hmm. all switched to integrate different games because of how DVD has been going. Like, Ots has been playing Meet Your Maker, which is not too far off because it's still made by behavior. But he's also been playing Deceive Inc. And he usually racks between 8 to 12k people for his Dead by Daylight streams. He's at, like... A little under 3k for his deceive ink and yeah numbers wise that's not as great but you're building a more branched out community and you're having fun because you're not like he plays so much dead by daylight <laughs> so much dead by daylight 
Like even JRM and Aaron, they've all started to slowly migrate just a little bit away from DVD. And I think it's healthy because especially if, if you tweet some sort of thing on Twitter about Dead by Daylight, you're going to get bashed. Like it doesn't even matter if you agree with the masses. Like there's always going to be somebody saying something about it. It's just, that's just not something I want to be a part of. And that's kind of one of the driving factors for me of not wanting to play Dead by Daylight other than the fact that 99% of my matches are miserable and predictable and it's just like I can't even pretend to have fun with the people I'm playing with because we're just going to get tunneled out or like stared at on hook and it's just like okay yeah. like it, every once in a while it was funny because you just like talk shit to the person like if you were playing Survivor and the killer's just face camping you and I just sat there and like I was like does that make you feel good about yourself? Like, you know, just like having a monologue about it. But every mm-hmm. game, it's like, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, it gets to be a bit much. All right, and then from the, the I don't want to talk about Dead by Daylight anymore. <laughs> That's fine. Um, the From the article, the, the third game that they mentioned in it, the, the Tartarus Key, um... What makes me nervous about that game is because it, it states in there that it, it utilizes PS1-style graphics and it emulates the appearance of classic Resident Evil and Silent Hill games. And I get a little bit worried, especially when indie or smaller studios try to like focus on like nostalgia of these older games um, by kind of lock, soft-locking themselves into a... Um, uh, a PS1 style graphic and uh, try to emulate something that once was because it's so long ago too. You're like you're holding yourself back and and I mean no, not everyone can uh, make their game appeal to the masses, but I I don't know how much you can bank on nostalgia driving your game. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the fact that they're they're being compared to two huge what like 90s popular games like so you're taking the graphics and you're trying to to compensate to to be something like that like you can be your standalone game you can be your standalone studio like you don't have to compete with these things like i know being in this field i know that it feels like you have to be that way but if you make a game that is good runs well you're on top of it if there's any glitches or anything that needs to be fixed and you listen to your community about things that might be fun to be integrated in like obviously don't let the community dictate what you're making completely because then you're not making it for yourself you're just making it for them and you want to put out stuff that you're proud of and they might be asking you something that you don't agree with for whatever reason but like especially like ps1 graphics were bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I mean, there are some games out there. Um, I did a playthrough of the Payne's Creek Killings, where it's pretty simple graphics. It's a first-person game. It's very puzzle-based. You're um, you're uh, you're trying to solve um, the like mystery behind what happened in this town that is seemingly completely abandoned now, and and some people that were killed. Um, but it, it was almost peaceful in aspect, um, and it's it was it's a, a indie game. But it's it's 
I think they did a, a really good job. I mean, it's a relatively small game. You can do the, the playthrough, you can 100% it in like less than 10 hours, I think. So it's, but there was some spooky aspects of it. While many people won't consider it horror because there isn't, it's not action packed. There's not gore. There's only one like sequence of like where you're being chased. Mm. Um, or anything, but but you're essentially alone for most of the time, but you're un uncovering all these secrets and putting clues together and solving puzzles, um, which is really neat. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can you can use you can pull on people's nostalgia and use kind of mid graphics and and everything without trying to be something else does that make sense yeah because like all these like vhs type games have been doing really well and it's not because of the graphics it's because the story is well done the gameplay is mm -hmm. good but i think if like obviously we don't know how the game's going to be but i i just i can agree the nervousness of like ooh, you're kind of you know, might be focusing on the wrong thing, so we'll have to see once it comes out or we get more information on it, um, like actual gameplay aspects of it, can we decide, but we're, we're definitely in, like, the nostalgia era, so I get it, but also calm down, like, not everything needs to be remade. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that new new. Um, one game, one indie horror game that popped off last year that I have, I have it, I, just, I still need to play it, like The Mortuary Assistant. People mm. loved that game and it wasn't like, it, it, was, it wasn't trying to be other games. And I think that that really uh, was refreshing for the community. I haven't played it yet. Um, Mr. wants me to play it once the PC comes. Uh, I watched him play a lot of it. I watched Andy play a lot of it. I watched other YouTubers and everything play it. Um, I'm still going to play it. Like, for me, I don't believe in, like, spoilers. Um, personally, like, I'm going to play something regardless. Like, or watch something regardless. Because I still want to see how you get to that point. I still want to see how it happens for myself. So... Do I know that's going to happen? Yeah. Am I still going to get scared at things? Yeah, because especially with Mortuary Assistant, everything's RNG-based. You're not guaranteed mm -hmm. to get the same spooks or the same dialogues and stuff. So for me, I am don't want to play it, but I will. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, okay. We, we made it through the three games listed in that article. <laughs> I told you, sometimes you just get stuck on a topic and you're like, how did we talk for so long on that one thing? It's just like, because you branch off, like it brings up other subjects. However, the next thing is, is rating games scarier than Resident Evil? Or rather, games that give Resident Evil a run for its money. 
like I've mentioned before, a lot of people don't really... I think the first Resident Evil was very scary and jump jump scare. Like, there was a lot of jump scares in the original. Uh, I played it, and, and then I was getting frustrated and confused and jump scared because the camera kept switching depending on which way you were going down. Like, you would go down this hallway, and then you would turn left, and the camera shifts, and then there's, like, another... It's like a U-shape, and you go down there, and it's, like, a different... And then you have the zombies who are laying on the ground that can turn into what they call crimson heads, which is, like, for me, it looked like a freaking um, zombie with, like, werewolf claws. Um, they, like, reanimate and stuff, and they become stronger and faster. So you're battling, like, going down these different hallways, and then the zombie just pops up or goes through the window, and that got me so many times. <laughs> But realistically, uh, there's jump scares in the Resident Evil games, but I would definitely say it's not yeah. as scary as people claimed it used to be. And like, mm. I can't speak to that because, like, I didn't play it back then. Well, I definitely yeah. would have been terrified playing the first one. I can bet, <laughs> I bet you a million dollars because there's a zombie fucking shark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, personally, I I really do not like games with locked camera perspectives. They, mm. except for like, expect except for like scrolling um, platformers, like that's different. But if right. you're, if it's a three D kind of game where you're controlling a character within a three D space, um, I hate locked camera perspectives. It, um, uh, I know, but that's just a personal preference. So that's that's what has kept me from do from playing any of the older Resident Evil games because locked camera perspective just pisses me off. <laughs> it was it, it was really hard for me to get over, like really hard. Um, I struggled a lot, and I'm like, fuck this game, fuck these controls. How did you people fucking do this? Like, I remember I played like. You said you didn't really grow up having, like, Wii was your first console, but I played all, all of the consoles growing up. Every mm -hmm. single one. And I don't remember ever having the difficulty. And when I switched to newer generations as I, you know, got them as they came out, I never had a hard issue, like, reintegrating to quote-unquote newer controls. So it's just mm -hmm. weird that they were that bad back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, I yeah. guess maybe that was their way of making it more horror-esque is the fixed? I, I don't know. I think it was just the development at the time that they weren't rendering their game space to have a movable camera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I at least think that that's a part of it. Because if you think about it, like... It was a long time ago. It takes a lot to render even just one room. Yeah. To be three D, movable, look around the entire space kind of thing. Yeah, like having built games where I did that, I I can attest to that. I just don't know what the difficulty was, back when they were coming out. Like I don't know. Yeah. Because I just recently graduated with my master's in game design, and I didn't really code or anything much prior to that in that same air like sphere of things um mm -hmm. so i can't like but knowing how wonky and hard it can be i can only imagine it was just like 
we have to do this just for the sake of like getting this game out there <laughs> yeah um now as for this article like listing 10 scariest horror games that give resident evil a run for its money that's the name of the article right mm-hmm. um again i have a problem with like these websites these these different um publishers wanting to compare games to these big name Mm -hmm. games um it's because i mean part of it is clickbaity um yeah but especially if they're not within the same genre like one of the games listed is phasmophobia and i'm sorry but whenever i play phasmophobia or like think of phasmophobia i do not think of Resident Evil. Like, there are no comparison between those two games, in my mind, at all. Yeah. So, like, they're they're completely different types of games. Yes, they're all within the horror genre, but they're not, like, it's not, I don't know. So I, I, I think it's silly whenever people try to compare too much to these big name games just because you again i want people to be able to enjoy and 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 um formulate their opinion based on a game as it is and not as a comparison to something else right and that's always been my go-to it's like okay you might have given me a spoiler on this or your opinion may have been this on that but I still want to see it. I still want to play it. And I still want to make make my mind up after I've personally experienced it. And, you know, I don't want to agree with somebody or disagree with somebody just to do it. I want to have, like, a firm footing of where mm-hmm. I'm standing. And, yeah, so we'll go through this list. Um, number 10 is Dead Space. That game was spooky, had jump scares. Uh, like I mentioned, I haven't played it, but... It's good, dude. Like, I wish mm-hmm. I played the original just to, like, really feel that feeling of what it got morphed into for the remake. But the remake is standalone. Like, you mm-hmm. um, didn't necessarily have to play the original for the remake to make sense. Mm-hmm. So, there's that uh, Phasmophobia, which I apparently will be getting terrorized into playing once the PC comes. that's just like you're literally looking for ghosts right like that doesn't compare to resident evil at all ghosts don't exist (laughs) so it's weird that it was like yeah it's teen based like right phasmophobia is teen based and it's it's is I mean, it I've, scarier? I've played yeah. it a handful of times, and it's not, and it's been a while since I've played it. But like, I think of phasmophobia as goofy because I because every time I have played it, I've been playing with a group of friends, and we've just been goofy about it. Like the first time that one of the ghosts killed me, killed me, I like or killed my character. I uh, I yelped, but then I also just started laughing maniacally because then I got to like float around as a ghost myself and, and terrorize, not terrorize, but, like, watch my friends try to beat the level. Right, and you're in, like, this eth- ethereal, like, ghost-like state where you can see the mm-hmm. the thing that they're haunting and you can see what's happening and you can hear them, but they can't hear you. And, and I like, like, I would, 
like I would fuck with people. Like I watched people play it and they were like pretending to be the ghost on on the um the radio thing or just like, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. just being generally like stupid with one another. It's just like was that them? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that's fun to me, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compare to Resident Evil because it's, it's yeah, it's going to be scarier. You're fucking ghost hunting, being actively hunted by the ghost, like, you're hunting a ghost, but it's simultaneously hunting you, and if you're, if you let your insanity get too high, you get killed. You're dead. Your body is crumpled up like a ball of paper thrown on the ground, and you're just gone and and i like the that part of it too is like they don't know your your players that you're playing with your friends whoever they don't they don't know you're dead right away they have to like go into the the trailer or find your body um so that's kind of funny when the shit they just like stumble up on you like oh they're dead (laughs) uh until until dawn's the next one until dawn holds such a special place in my heart i love that game so much what's good because i never heard of it and i've never played it so until dawn is one of those games that um the characters are based off of real actors and actresses and it, it feels like a movie there's tons of dialogue there it gives you the illusion of like choice and there are choices like you do make choices in certain things like if you choose one thing or do another it does impact your story play through um and there's different endings depending on how many characters that you keep alive throughout the game and everything um but i I loved this game. I, I watched, I've watched, I watched, my first interaction with it was watching one of my friends in college play it, and then I watched my roommate play it, then I played it myself. It has a lot of replayability because depending on the choices you make, it changes some things. And it's just a, it's a great, I, I really enjoyed it. However, again, I have a hard time understanding why it's getting compared to Resident Evil because it's not the same like it's like it's um it's kind of like almost more like a um a scary movie or a horror movie where it's a group of teenagers stuck in a house and there are these things that are harassing them and there's um there's people and there's also monsters that are harassing them so it's just very different um yeah yeah it's it's a it's a fun game but it's it's again not really the same kind of genre of game type as what resident evil is i think we're gonna feel like that for a lot of these games silent hill i would argue is more along the lines of resident evil Mm -hmm. which is is that the next one did i skip no silent Mm -hmm. hill is the next one silent hill 2 specifically Silent Hill 2 is the one with Pyramid James Head. Sunderland. Yeah, and Pyramid Head. Pyramid Head. Which we're familiar with having played DVD. Um, I, that's all about all I know. Like, whatever, res, uh, sorry, Silent Hill, technically Resident Evil until I start playing the games came from Dead by Daylight 2. But any of my game knowledge of Silent Hill came from that. So, mm-hmm. it does look really spooky. Like, it's really foggy. I watched somebody play the second one, but, like, 
what I watch is like Pyramid Head isn't actively chasing you like at first he's like there and then you have to kind of avoid him that's why I kind of feel like it's more Resident Evil like because there are aspects where you have to crouch and sneak in Resident Evil um, Mm -hmm. to benefit you so I do agree that that one is probably scarier Uh, it's more visceral it's more psychological whereas Resident Evil is just like people and things being mutated zombies virus right whereas run shoot right right (laughs) um I got hair on my tongue look alien isolation I'm just never really interested in alien predator any of that stuff it just seemed weird to me um, yeah. So Alien Isolation, I have not played it myself. I have seen three different people try to play this game. Try is not a good word. <laughs> and none of them have finished it. Oh no. Um, because it it kind of goes into that territory of at some point the horror gets ignored because the frustration of the game takes over. Um, so one of the aspects of Alien Isolation is that the aliens that are on the ship with you, that they learn there is an AI aspect of it, and that it will learn your, like, tendencies of how you avoid them and fight them, and there's, like, a breathing mechanic, like, if you're playing on controller, like, if you have your microphone on your controller turned on the the alien can like hear you talking like and it's a setting that you can turn off because like if you do if you try to play that kind of game while like live streaming you have like unless you're doing a full immersion not talking to anyone like you're gonna mess up your own game just because you're talking Talking. to your live stream um but i yeah the three different people that i have watched try to play this game and they aren't like professional streamers youtubers or anything like that but try to play this game none of them have finished it yeah i mean that makes sense it kind of sounds like it's in the sphere of dead space um with how you synops what is that word synopsize is that a word synopsis you gave a synopsis but whatever I'm going to go on a rant about words if, if I'm not careful. Um, the way that you gave that synopsis was it kind of like I pictured dead space in a way. So, but it just, like you said, if people, if multiple people have tried and unsuccessfully completed, then that is a red flag for me in like yeah. playability and replayability. Which not every game has to be replayable. Mm-hmm. Just for the record. Is it nice? Yes. Not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, Amnesia is the next one on this list. Um, we've already I think kinda, we've already talked about Amnesia. Yeah, we've, we've talked about <laughs> Amnesia enough. Too much about it. Eh. <laughs> and we're both eh on like possibly playing it. So uh, it's there. It, there's multiple games I overheard it's very scary (laughs) I know that amnesia is the reason why PewDiePie got popular that's about it (laughs) Uh, Fatal Frame 2 Crimson Butterfly another game I haven't played but I've heard good things about Fatal Frame being actually spooky 
So Fatal Frame is a Japanese um, based game, like a Japanese development game. Um, and I have seen a little bit of gameplay of some of the Fatal Fr Frame games. Um, and I think it, it does get compared to like Resident Evil Silent Hill a lot. Um, and I think maybe what why it's not as mainstream as those is just because it, it, it their main um, audience is in the Asian, like in Japanese world. Right. But uh, otherwise, I haven't played it myself. I haven't seen too much gameplay of it, but it, it looks good. If people, I'm, I'm assuming people who like Resident Evil and Silent Hill type games, they would also like Fatal Frame games. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, Soma. I know nothing about that. Me either. We're gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit about it because I've never heard of it, so I like can't even give you an, a glimpse of it. It's a claustrophobic horror experience set in an underwater research facility. It has major swings between storytelling and visuals. That seems the way that it's saying it, I feel like your motion sickness would kick in for that. Possibly. I've never gotten motion sickness from playing a static game. It's only been from doing uh, VR games. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's like not really a lot of information on it too, which gives me not a lot of great feelings about it. But basically, it says it explores the slow infectious rebellion of machines and aliens as natural and artificial elements seamlessly blend together. So it's along the lines of alien isolation, um, AIs coming to life, taking over, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's been done a lot. So I don't, I don't think I would personally get scared by it, but I guess some people are actually petrified of, like, computers taking over the world, so... Yeah. Like, I have a friend who was terrified of zombies and just the aspect of zombies and look at it, if they watch anything that's, like, zombie-related. They have awful nightmares uh, related to it. So, um, like, Resident, especially the classic Resident Evil games, um, they can't watch them. They can't, they can't play them. They can't do that kind of thing. Zombies are just not, like, it's just rooted that that's, something that really really bothers them yeah so it's just to each their own yeah <laughs> that makes sense though if you think about it mm -hmm. uh the second what is the saying we second to last i don't know what i was trying to say to be honest we're just gonna move on um the second to last one is eternal darkness again just one of those games that slipped through my fingers wasn't yeah, something I was a, aware it's, of. It's a game from the from the two thousands, a GameCube exclusive. Um, I have before looking at this, I have never heard of it before, but it was released on my birthday, so that's cool. Hells <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's like a Lovecraftian reference type of game, so there's a lot of big Lovecrafts buffs out there and horror aspect and stuff um like a new game we touched upon last two podcast episodes was the game dredge and that game looks so good mm -hmm. so good and it has the lovecraftian vibes in it so 
There's that. The last one is actually like a twofer. It's the evil within and the evil within two. I haven't played the evil within two. I played the first chapter of the <laughs> evil within. Um, it's like little mini chapters, like the storyline or things that you're running from isn't necessarily the same, at least in the first one. And that spooked me. Like I immersed myself though. This was before I started stream or streaming. Um, I played this one, it came out. So in October of 2014, I had my little glass of wine and I had my, my stereo headphones and I was playing it and I was probably too drunk to be playing it cause I wasn't doing very well, but it took me so long to beat the first chapter and I just never picked it back up. <laughs> but, yeah. And it was, it was a good game. Like, it wasn't that hard. It was just, like, what I did to myself trying to play it. And I was just like, I can't. <laughs> um, I think you would enjoy that game. Maybe it'll be part of Spooky Sunday going forward if I ever revive that series. <laughs> I wonder if there's any other than, like, Phasmophobia, if there's, like, other games that we could have a bunch of us play for a Spooky Sunday. Um, I know Demonologist is pretty popular right oh. now, which in my mind, from what I've seen of it, it's just Phasmophobia too. But, um... <laughs> that could be fun, though. Something to think about. So, on a completely shift, like, just a complete shift of topics, the live-action Little Mermaid officially mm -hmm. outsold the original and I am flabbergasted just because of the amount of hate the Little Mermaid was getting before it released yeah so uh, I would have to like dig deeply into this and what their um, their uh, their metrics are that they're using um, but the thing is, it says, it, like, the, the headline is, first off, completely misleading because it officially outsells original, but then if you actually read, like, the first line of the article, it says that this, that this article, whatever, projects yeah. that The Little Mermaid will make $110 million over its Memorial Day opening weekend. Just which, at the time of where we're recording this, Memorial Day hasn't happened. So Couple uh, that's weeks away. some clickbait in, in and of itself, that saying it's officially outsells original. It hasn't happened yet. I They're projecting that it will. And I don't think... Like, people are so mad about what Flounder looks like. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, because they, they went hyper-realistic with Flounder and the other, like, animal um, uh, companions rather than making them more cartoony-looking. Which, I mean, I, it makes sense when you're thinking about, like, remaking a live version of a, you know, a cartoon. Mm -hmm. But Flounder's supposed to be goofy, and he's just... Guppy. Ugh, you know, like sad Sebastian is super realistic and then like I don't, I don't know uh, am I gonna watch it yes do I expect it to do as well as 
other things, no. It has movies here, like Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End 2007. It, it stands to compete with other Memorial Day releases. That's so long ago. Like, why are we comparing movies from that long ago? Like, just, like, compare it to Mulan or Beauty and the Beast. Like, things that make sense to compare it to. Not movies that, that aren't really, like, Aladdin's there. Okay, fine. But, mm-hmm. it, that's just uh, me getting tilted at, at clickbaity articles but like this article that we're we're referencing isn't the only one out there mm-hmm. oh for sure and i mean i i feel like so many of the disney live action remix remakes have been so hit or miss for me um the 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 mulan one I think it. I think the movie itself, barring any controversies with the main actress, um, I think the movie itself was a good movie and a good story. But it was not. It was a vi- it, very weird to think of it as a remake of the animated original, because there were so many new elements that they put in, and, and then they took away so many of the main driving elements of the original that it didn't really feel like the same, same movie story i yeah. like i would have been happier if they called it a mulan reimagination rather than a remake i can see that especially because like they took some of the songs out so that it was more traditional like they made a lot of changes um to that movie don't get me wrong like there's been a lot of controversies with Disney movies and a, a cultural appropriation and all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mulan original for those of us who have grown up and watched it and loved it whatever, it's just different in, in not in not a bad way. It's just like re- saying it was reimagined makes much more sense than saying we remade this cartoon into a live action but we changed 90% of it to mm-hmm. for whatever reason it's just it's just misleading for me mm-hmm. now meanwhile on the other end of the spectrum um, the live action um, I'm, I, you can't see me but I'm putting quotes around that <laughs> uh, remake of Lion King now they stayed for the most part pretty true to the original film um, obviously there were some changes, there were new songs, changes, a little bit of, uh, more of a focus on, like, Nala's, um, uh, impact and what she went through, but, like, I, and, and the reason I'm doing quota- quotations of it being a live action, because it's, it, like, 95% of that movie was CGI, so it's not really <laughs> live action, it's just made to look like yeah. the lions are real lions instead of straight up cartoon ones. Right. <laughs> Right, because real life, like, um, obviously makes sense. Like, we're not shitting on the fact that they use G- CGI. Like, we know we're not, you're not going to be able to get lions and tigers and toucans and cubs to, and, and warthogs and meerkats to act and do things on cue for a movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, that would take exactly. a lot of training. Like, those animals, a lot of those animals can be trained and have been trained, but... It, it, yeah. the safety aspect and all of these there's so much 
like obviously CGI is expensive, but trying to do it uh, quote unquote live for real, it's just not, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, I like the Beauty and the Beast one, but there's so much hate for that, so. I liked it, too. Everyone was like, they should have picked somebody who could actually sing. Like, Emma Watson can actually sing. Mm. Is it the same as the original Belle? No, but, like, the difference in the new Little Mermaid. Uh, Bailey versus, I don't remember her name, the original person who sang for Ariel. They're different. Their pitches are different. The tone is different. They still try to keep it in that Disney sphere of, like, tone and stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's different. And that's... People are different. We have different voices. We do different things with our voices. So it Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, I don't know. I mean, unless they were planning to get Ariana Grande in there to do it, who can uh, do impression um, singing and voices of, like, everyone. (laughs) Right. That girl is crazy. It's going to sound different. And it's it's just like one of those other things that we were talking about earlier about gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, I I also I loved the Aladdin remake. I love that they explored like Jasmine's um, fight and they they increased that. And I I think I find the the live action remake of Aladdin was beautiful. The colors were amazing. But they gave, they got so much hate because their um, Will Smith played the genie, oh, and forgot. <laughs> he didn't live up to Robin the Williams. original genie and Robin Williams uh, in most people's minds. Like it's, well, and, but at the same time, like the, he was. I never felt like he was trying to be Robin Williams as genie. He was doing his no. own genie, right? And. And That's fine. he, I don't think he would want to try and do Robin Williams. Like, Robin Williams was a great actor and, like, you know, rest in peace because I miss him dearly. Do we, I think that they probably would have tried, if he was still alive, they probably would have brought him back on to re- redo it. But Will Smith wasn't a terrible choice either. Like, he did a good job as Genie. Was it the same? No, but like they're different people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, just as this article goes, I mean, I really hope that the movie does well and that it sells well. And like you said, I'm I'm going to see it too. I don't really like seeing movies in theater anymore, but mm-hmm. I might make an exception for this one because um, I love Chloe Bailey. I've seen her on different shows, and I like her music and everything. So. Um, We'll see. I, I and I also love Debbie so Diggs, who's voicing um, um, Sebastian, not Sebastian, uh, the crab. Um, Sebastian, you were so, right. Yeah, Sebastian, yeah. Um, he, so I'll definitely see it. <laughs> But I, I I don't know if I'm lo- loving this trend of everything being remakes right now. Right, like like I mentioned before, we're in this nostalgia era, and we have been for quite quite some years now. Um, it really really ran rampant during the pandemic for like obvious reasons, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been a lot of like, do we make a new game or do we revive something that's years past and. Unless you're going to put the same energy into a revival, remake, however you want to put it, 
don't do it. Just please don't do it. Because, <laughs> like, fans are going to be mad, and then you're going to be like, well, it's not supposed to be the same. And it's like, we don't want it to be the same. We just want it to have the same energy. And I think that's yeah. what gets, like, misconstrued or not read between the lines. It's like, I don't want it to be the same. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'll, like I, I'll bring up Resident Evil 4. I just finished the original and then, re- like, play the remake, and... The original was great, but the remake did such a good job of making the story make more sense. Everything flowed so much better. Like, not even, like, talking about, like, graphics changes or anything, which obviously are going to be great because we have great graphics now based before back then. But every, like, tiny detail that went into that was so well done. Like, I'm so glad they did that as a remake. They changed aspects that, like, were frustrating and really hard to get through in like a really good way like there's a minecart um area in the original that was a bitch to get through and they made it like a lot easier in the remake but it didn't affect the gameplay mm-hmm. so like they talk about like the the case i don't know before i get on a tangent about resident evil 4 which has been multi multi weeks now um my thoughts are, if you're going to remake or redo or re-something that's already been done, put in the effort into actually seeing what aspects of it could be revamped instead of just upping it with better graphics. Because I can live with bad graphics if the game is still good. Yeah. Have you watched or have you seen the, um, the HBO series of The Last of Us? So I haven't played the games, and I felt like I needed to do the games justice before I watched this the show. But I've heard okay, good so things I've, about I, it. So, yeah, they've done a great job with it. And they HBO does this nice, or this really neat thing where after each episode, they have, like, a behind-the-episode five- to ten-minute bit where you hear from the actors and actresses as well as like the um directors and writers of like they did that for game of thrones and other series i love when they do that yeah so they the they did some bold changes from like the original gameplay for the to the the show and they did such an excellent job with it um and and if you if you actually watch those like discussions afterwards it um it's they they talk about how like it's really like of course you want to stick to the original um the inspiring content as much as possible but if you think about it like games like last of us were or or any like adventure survival open world type games so much of the game is spent just like running or like yeah walking or like traveling or like going through zombie hordes or going through hordes of enemies and like that does while that's fun for many people to play that does not translate into a visual media movie game um a tv series well so so right. much of the show focused on backgrounds and exploring more of what you could um know about the characters yes. and less about just fighting zombies which i affected. right um <laughs> mr sister got to 
I guess there's a gay couple that's in in there and (laughs) she was like sending us both snaps of her crying and he was like their rooms are close so he could hear her like freaking out about the episode Mm -hmm. and um like I uh, what I know is very limited but she was so emotionally invested (laughs) into that storyline which is is a great thing, right? Like if you can get people to be emotionally invested into a, a, something like that, then you're doing something right. Because that's the whole mm-hmm. point is that you're you, you don't. It's like people who still watch Grey's Anatomy just to see mm-hmm. the far fetched shit that they end up like doing now versus mm-hmm. like the beginning twenty seasons ago. I think we're in season nineteen. I don't even know. I still watch it, so mm-hmm. it's whatever. <laughs> Um, but yeah. So, alright. So, um, apparently this year is the year for Barbies. Uh, (laughs) There's a new Barbie movie coming out this summer. Mm -hmm. And Margot Robbie, Queen. Right, and oh my gosh. So I saw another article that said, oh, is this going to be the movie that gets her off the tra- like the track of flop movies and I'm like how dare you like suicide <laughs> squad may have been a flop for like the universe in aspect of like the DC universe but she was amazing as Harley Quinn okay oh yeah so first of all second of all these new movies these new things they always bring something new and whether it's like a meal at a restaurant or whatever. So this company made a Barbie pink lemonade. Mm-hmm. And I kind of really want to try it. It's like made with monk fruit, which is super interesting too. Cause there's no sugar in it. It's sweet because of the monk fruit. And yeah. that's interesting to me. Oh yeah. I would, uh, I would a hundred percent try this. I like lemonade in general. Um, and anything that's zero sugar or low sugar, um, always, uh, interests me, um, just because, like, I I don't, I don't have diabetes, but I'm predisposed for it with my, uh, family history and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I try desperately to keep my sugar intake low, so, um, and I don't know about you, I was a hundred percent a Barbie girl growing up. I wasn't, like, I was, but not, not as much as I, I don't know. I had a bunch of Barbie shit, like, Rubbermaid containers full of it. But mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling is Ken, and Margot Robbie is Barbie. Like, I'm going to see that fucking movie. I already told Zach. I was like, <laughs> I, we're seeing that movie. He's like, mm-hmm. and he's just like, okay. And he wasn't, like, mad about it. He was just, I think he was, like, concerned with how vividly I said we're seeing the movie. <laughs> yeah. So did you did you watch like any of the like um Barbie animated like movies and shows that were coming out when we were kids? Not so much the movies and shows, but I did play the the video games. It was like a really <laughs> So and I really loved that. There was like a detective Barbie game that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was another game where like on the ranch or whatever that game I played mm-hmm. I can't think of the name of it right now but I think I also played that horse Barbie game <laughs> right like it's 
it's so like there I can see the gameplay of it I just can't think of the name mm-hmm. but yeah so there like as always there's of course um, controversy around like outcoming stuff coming out um, some people are like they've seen like the trailers and such for the new Barbie movie and they're like why like there's why why is Barbie getting a movie when like she was just a doll and like the whole franchise and world of Barbie like if you watch the movies like she had she had so many careers she had so many like mm-hmm. she represents so much for young girls and, and like who are now or even now but especially like you and I who were no longer young girls we're grown ups <laughs> um, so when we have to um, be and she like was an inspiration like some of her stories like she was a vet also like a best friend also like a doctor also a lawyer like mm-hmm. um, if if a live-action Barbie movie was made, like, 15 years ago, I could have totally seen, um, Reese Witherspoon playing her. Yeah! Um, I agree with that! Like, Legally Blonde, oh, even though movie. I know that Legally Blonde is not a Barbie movie, um... It played Ellen on Woods that, is like... Barbie, is, is lawyer Barbie in my head. Yeah, no, I can see that. It, it played on that Valley Girl aspect of things, which is which is basically what Barbie was originally known for. Um, through the years, Barbie has matured and, and changed, and she's not just, like, a plastic doll with no thoughts in her head, which mm-hmm. I love that change for things. Um... I don't know. I'm excited for the movie. I'm excited for the people front running it, and mm-hmm. and the trailer they tried to really show you, or like they I, I don't know how I've, I've watched the trailer a couple times now, but um, <laughs> the bar the live action Barbie movie that's coming out is not their target audience is not children, like it's their target audience is 100% like you and me where we're, we grew up with Barbie being a household name Yes, and we've grown up and now the franchise is growing up with us. Yes. Yes. I, and, and that's something I touched upon. Um, I think it was the last episode where it's just like, not everything has to be for kids. Like adults are living in this world too. And while I get things that, should be kid oriented absolutely there should be aspects of things where like we're allowed to be adults and also like cartoons or you know whatever it ends up being like not everything has to be so black and white like oh it has to be kid friendly or it's not going to do well like adults also have to go see those kids movie with their kids so like there's parents will complain about like adult like jokes in kids movies and it's like they don't the amount of shit that I like angry beavers and stuff that I watch as an adult I'm like holy crap I never understood any of it as a child none of it I didn't even question it like I don't know maybe that was just the era we grew up in but like Rats, Doug angry beavers Spongebob like watching Spongebob as an adult like it was originally supposed to be an adult's show Anyways, I'm excited for Barbie. I think it's going to be really good. Not just because of the people in it, but 
with all of the changes that they've made to that franchise, I think a, a live action movie is going to be really good. Yeah, I concur. And the last but not least is Ben and Jerry's new limited time flavor. Mm-hmm. It's called the Ice Cream Sammy. Mm-hmm. Which I'm here for, except that there's Oreos there, so it's basically just like cookies and cream with a new label on it. Yeah. So it looks, from the advertising picture, it looks like it's cookies and cream and ice cream sandwiches, like, put together. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, honestly sounds like a banger, and I could probably eat, like, two gallons of it. But, um, <laughs> um, I mean, just thinking in general, like, Ben and Jerry's are, like, they, they come out with specialty flavors or, like, different flavors or different or limited time things all the time. And I'm sorry, but, like, at one point you're running out. So I think this is a, the culmination of, like, hey, uh, it's a, it's a vanilla ice cream base and there's chocolate in it. But it's new, we promise. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And it's not its first appearance, right? So it's it's being marketed as a new limited flavor, but it came out in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> People just preying on FOMO at that point. Right. And, and that just that just ties into all the other aspects of things that we just talked about, where things can be standalone and, and like... I get that you've ha- you have a, an ice cream company that has a gazillion flavors, but a lot of those flavors are really good. Like I love mm-hmm. milk and cookies. I don't need to have ice cream, Sammy, aka cookies and cream, because milk and cookies is the same fucking thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. They all taste the same. Yeah. <laughs> vanilla ice cream with some sort of chocolate cookie mixed in. Milk and cookies is a chocolate chip cookie, so it's a little bit different because you actually get like, but still. I I think it's a hundred percent. Their marketing team is trying to prey on people's FOMO. (laughs) Yeah, probably because it said it was hard to get. Well, it was also that it was it was only released at Walmart and a lot of stores didn't get it, so it was like it was a limited time and it was a limited availability too. Which, mm-hmm. I, that's probably why they re-released it, because a lot of people felt like they missed out on it, and they're like, hmm, you know what, we could do this. Like, you know. Also, uh, shout out to anyone who's a completionist with ice cream flavors. Like, you are winning in life. <laughs> oh, you mean trying every flavor? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, because you think of, like, when, at least when I think of completionist, um, like, I think of it in terms of video games, people who get, like, platinum or all achievements or all things, like, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, Like, and I I get a little, I'm a little bit like that, but I never think of, like, I'm a completionist of ice cream because I need to try every single flavor that this company puts out. Um... I guess I do that a little bit with the Alani nutrition energy drinks, but that's just because, again, I don't, I like that they don't have much sugar. <laughs> and you've liked a lot of the flavors. Oh, yeah. I, I, so you're I not opposed to trying a new one. So flav- 
Yeah, of the of the fifteen or so flavors I've tried, there's only been two where I was like, eh, I don't think I would get this one again. <laughs> right. Whereas Mr. Cupcake is a completionist, so he has platinums and all of these things on PlayStation for trophies. And we were talking about like the Cheesecake Factory and how large the menu it was, and he was like, "Yeah, I would order something new every time we went." And I'm like, "But what if you don't like it?" <laughs> He'll still eat it. He's one of those. And I'm like, yeah. "No, I'm gonna stick to the ones that I know I like and want." <laughs> and I've well, tried. It works out for you because then you get to try all of the different ones. <laughs> True. I'm like. Mm. Yeah, but he's pretty good about knowing what I'm going to like, too. He's like, I know what you're going to like, and I'll try it. I'm like, you were right. But I, if, speaking of Ben and Jerry's, I think I've tried five flavors. Strawberry cheesecake, chunky monkey, milk and cookies, fish food. I may have only tried four. Oh, my God. Guys, give me your recommendations of flavors to try, because that's sad. <laughs> The only Ben and Jerry's flavor that I remember of having and and loving was the the Tonight Dough. See, my sister loves that the one. The Tonight's Dough? Is that what it's called? It's the it's Tonight like, Dough. It's, it's a, a celebrity one. Yes, yeah, Jimmy Fallon's um, Tonight Show play on words. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. There's like a whole ass cookie in the middle of it. That was amazing. <laughs> Maybe I'll try it. I don't... I'm such a, like, I crave what I already know that I love that's hard for me to try something new. Because <laughs> I'm like, but what if I don't like it as much as I like this one? And, like, obviously I might not, but that doesn't mean I won't like it. But, like, my brain is just stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew up in, um, in a household where Ben and Jerry's was considered, like, a premium mm-hmm. uh, ice cream. So I never really got it. We we always got the Great Value brand ice cream with the, with, that was, like, two gallons and, and, like, very basic flavors, which is fine. Um, but Ben and Jerry's, I don't have any type of, like, connection to them or wanting to try a bunch of their different flavors or anything. The brand that I like is the Talenti. Mm, Talenti's so good, but it's expensive, too. It's expensive, but I wait until it goes on sale that makes sense. Um, where it's like uh, you can get five for $20 or something like that. Oh, that's that. a good where deal. Where you can get a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. Where, you can, where they're like two fifty each or something like that. And then I get like 10 at once <laughs> and that lasts me six months. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I just, um, Haagen-Dazs and Ben & Jerry's were both premium. But we talked about this in an uh, older episode, if you haven't been um, keeping up with all of the episodes. Uh, we talked about how um, Walmart's way of getting things cheaper priced is that they go to the same manufacturer as name brand places. So all mm-hmm. the cereal, like General Mills cereal, Walmart cereal is manufactured in the same place. So it's all the mm-hmm. same things. The processes might be slightly different, but it's theoretically the same thing so yeah realistically you don't need to pay for the expensive ice cream like just pay for what you like honestly like yeah just make good I decisions i have to say i have never found an off-brand cinnamon toast crunch that is as good as the original though um just tried trader joe's version of it love it so cinnamon uh, i have so trader good. joe's version of it and i don't love it really <laughs> I 
have half a box that's been sitting in my pantry because I just can't make myself finish it. <laughs> I literally just opened that box and had it for breakfast this morning. <laughs> but I'm all I don't drink regular milk, so I have it with chocolate almond milk. Okay, I have I I go for oat milk. Um, it's it's mm. possible that maybe I, maybe I just got a bad box of it. <laughs> It's crunchy, right? Like, you got the crunchy Trader Joe's Cinnamon Toast kind? Like, yeah, I think so. Like a blue I, box? I, I, baby I blue box? I know I got it from Cinnamon... Uh, I, I know I got it from Trader Joe's. I know Joe's I got it from Cinnamon Toast Joe's. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the box anymore, because uh, cereals I always transfer into a plastic container, because I feel like they keep fresh longer. Oh, yeah, but, for sure. I usually... I only get, like, a box of cereal, and... Um, every couple of weeks and it'll last me until like I want another one. I don't eat it that often. I just got uh, some protein pancake mix and I got fresh blueberries so that's what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow and I'm super excited for that. <laughs> I'm coming over to breakfast at your house tomorrow. Oh and I have turkey <laughs> bacon too. Put that in the air fryer. I can. Alright well I think that was all the topics. Do you have anything else that you would like to add on? Um, no. She says it with that question. Yeah, well, that's kind of the point of a podcast, I guess, is, like, talking a lot. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on. It was lovely having you. Mm-hmm. It was lovely being here. And I hope you'll come back for a future episode. Yeah, just let me know and I'll, I can talk about more unhinged stuff next time. <laughs> Ooh, scandalous. Yeah. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Bale's winky face and all of her information will be in the box below for the, you know, general gist of what the episode was about and where you can find her on Twitch and Twitter. And, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening as always that's gonna do it for us and we will catch you on the next episode good night Bye.